The whole industry been in shambles. Everybody's fugazi, I'm just changing the channel. Kendrick Lamar, the people's champion, I'm animal for analysts. Career damaging verses, meditating when candles lit. I like my raps extra prolific. Some freestyling, no lunch tables and park benches. And I won't mention my 10,000 hours in training while juggling game banking. My balance and what's tremendous. And now we look at the competition as quick submissions. They tapping out before we even get a chance to miss them. What this about? Is it money or skill? Maybe it's both, and I got large amounts of it. It's real. You see, my oath is very unbreakable. My style is never mistakable. I can see y'all incapable. To be the god MCs, you know me well. Ridiculous, venomous, hating my heart The sinister, run for cover, my lineage prove itself I'm rolling deep in their paper like two Adels Before scholars, I float tighter than virgin lips We here to shake the game up and you're flying through turbulence Everything is high stake nowadays, that's how I play nowadays It's like an eight ball to the face nowadays, I'm laced nowadays My gun is off the waist nowadays, it's seven figures in retainer <laughs> Coming at you live from the Do-Rag Dungeon, I'm your host, that boy Coop, back with another regular-ass episode of the Carolina Kid Podcast Rewired. This episode is brought to you by Ashy Ankles and Smelly Ringbacks. Subscribe to the Ratch Intelligence Anywhere podcast or download it. Follow on the Rod and Karen Doctrine. Leave a nice five-star review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and I'll read it on the show. Also, leave me a voice message and donate on anchor.fm slash datboycoop. That's anchor.fm slash D-A-T-B-O-Y-C-O-O-T. So, um, y'all probably wondering, like, where you been the past two weeks? Man, I have a perfectly good explanation, and I'm going to be real quick with this, because we got to get into a lot of fucking topics today. Let's just say a nigga car said fuck it, <laughs> okay? And, you know, um, I take pretty good care of my car, so I'm like, what the fuck? I, I, I was slighted. I was like, why my car just say fuck it? So, apparently, there was a reliability issue that came up once certain cars hit 100,000 miles of this model, right? Um, Volkswagen Tiguan, my car hit 103,000 miles and basically, um, head gasket was cracked. Um, this was due to a common issue that happened with those particular engines of that displacement, the 2.0, you know, um, liter four cylinder engine turbo, those typically the, you know, the TSI turbos, those all have seemed to have intermittent issues some bigger than others head gasket head gasket failure is not necessarily something that <laughs> is is light so i ended up looking at a bill of like $3,500 and i was like okay $3,500 okay what is my next car gonna look like because <laughs> i'm not paying $3,500 to get this fixed by the way um i went to you know I, for a second opinion i talked to my actual like lifelong mechanic um he's a man who specializes in volkswagens right and he was like yeah you 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 can get it fixed and keep trying to like fix little problems with it but i mean i, I would also recommend that you could probably try to get another car you know just just get something else and trade it in and i was like damn well <laughs> i i think we have reached a consensus <laughs> getting the fuck out of that car so basically i you know went through a process for that that those two to three days buying a whole new car you know while i'm working from home and man you know um by the way when i say i'm working from home i mean that in a slightly looser sense than you may think i work from home but about 80 percent of my work is actually at home about 20 percent of it is actually going into the office and um that's 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 
a means to like that's a reason to have transportation especially if we're going to be going back into the office very soon like not a lot of other companies are actually thinking about like oh well you know we're gonna all just go back into the office like some of these companies are like 2022 <laughs> we're gonna do it then where i work is a very not necessarily i won't say a public facing role but yes it's in academia so that means <laughs> We're probably coming back earlier than others. And um, yeah, so I, I, I had to. I had to do this. And I was like, man, I had, I had a little extra change from my stimmy. <laughs> and it hurt my stimmy. <laughs> it hurt my stimmy. It took my stimmy. <laughs> but I'm good. I'm good now. I got a car. I'm happy. You know, things are fixed. <laughs> things are in a good situation. Other than taking a L on them Hyper Royals this morning on Sneakers app and every other day on Retailer, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm good, y'all. I'm just playing. But, um, yeah, let's get into the actual, like, uh, topics of the week. Um, so what I've been constantly trying to do is not necessarily bring up topics that are up at times. But this is one that you just cannot avoid. It's, it's, it's one that you have to really talk about because this is a person that I grew up listening to. This person I grew up honestly thinking he was the coolest damn dude, man. And his voice was one of a kind, right? But his his heart, his persona, his, his, his honesty and transparency are, are those other attributes that made you go like, man. This guy is just like a one of one. He's always been that way and he kind of remained that way. Dark Man X. Earl Simmons DMX. We kind of, you know, I kind of want to have a celebratory kind of mood with this, but I have to talk about the ills just a little bit because he was very honest and open about his addiction. That's something that has been had plagued him his entire career um it eventually snowballed into something else and basically he there was a period in his life where he was in and out of jail a lot and you know it, it just it ate him up it ate him alive um but he always gave so much of himself that it wasn't much really left for himself um and for that you know you have to give the man so much so like so much props for just being that person you know something that we really do not practice um a lot when we're dealing with people that we take advantage of or just kind of take advantage of their existence and you know knowing that they're around and you're like oh yeah they're gonna be okay da 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 like Maybe we should just listen to that person that you may have not heard in a long time. Check on somebody that you love, you you know, you haven't spoke to in a little while. Because we need to give people their flowers while they can still smell them. And it's something that constantly happens a lot when a, a, a major figure dies. But I'm saying this in a general sense with anyone that you know, you know, anyone that you are concerned about in the slightest or just haven't talked to in a while and are you know trying to patch things up with it's just all of these types of factors make me think about that because dmx's streams skyrocketed a thousand percent okay when he died okay i call that the flowers effect that's people giving him his flowers even after he dies right 
because they're always going to get their flowers when they're dead but give them their flowers when they're still here you know people like mad lib i give his flowers while he's still here you know um it's so many other people right because it's so many other people in music so many other people in 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 in, in art and all types of like sectors like when chadwick died like we gave him his flowers when he was still here you know he's black panther like so many kids were just in awe of the fact that they saw somebody who looked like them on on tv you know in, in the movie theater you know like excitement and all like came from that dmx was just like no other when it came to his charisma even when it came to acting when he was in belly when he was in romeo must die exit wounds when he was in cradle to the grave i remember vividly <laughs> I'm, I'm about to go back on the nostalgia trip here um vividly right going to see cradle to the grave because i saw the ex gonna give it to you video as a child right um because back then music videos had snippets of the movie in it right i was excited i was pumped for that movie i was like bro i need it i need it i'm gonna watch it and like that movie to me like i was just like man dmx in any movie he just was so genuine with his characters his characters seemed genuine and it seems like he was just born to do that you know and it was just another talent another gift that he had um but yeah like Kendrick Lamar guys like him um plenty of other people that have clearly stated that they were fans of DMX as children growing up you know I don't even know how Kendrick is dealing with it like his favorite album is as dark as hell is hot like that's that's crazy you know um but like you know out of all his albums that's probably his best album to me but he's had so many hits and i grew up listening to him because hey man i'm going back this is the rough rider days in 99 you know 98 99 right sunshine house i was six years old right we riding in the back of um you know the sunshine house vans you know they they always had the radio on 102 jams right you know i don't even know but i don't even know if they had like a 102 jam sticker if you know anything about 102 jam stickers so <laughs> tangent but <laughs> one or two jam stickers were like bumblebee color right so <laughs> yellow and black right and if anybody who was like driving the little uh one or two jams van spotted you on the street they give you a hundred dollars right that's kind of one of the reasons why like you know people had the stickers and stuff you know and that's kind of like a like a like a um a triad area thing you know in in north carolina you know the 336 thing you know Greensboro, Winston-Salem, Burlington, High Point, all that, you know. Um, but yeah, um, like I remember vividly hearing like Rough Riders Anthem while we were going on field trips and <laughs> not, not not just Rough Riders Anthem, but that you know, drag on and shit, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> Jigga my nigga. Um, you know, Jigga, like this is the first time where I, I had a memory. I was like, wait a minute. That's when they didn't bleep nigga on the radio because they still play my nigga. Like, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Better get it right. Better get it right. Like, I was like, oh, shit. You know, um, but it, it it's little memories like that. You know, um, it's like hearing stop being greedy for the first time when you're six years old. You know, um, it's 
hearing <clears throat> all types of like everything like they don't know who we be like nigga watching that video and being inspired you know going to alderman one morning and hearing that song on the radio and at the end you would say dead ant dead ant dead ant dead ant like nigga you was living through that you were live you were living back then that nigga has so much energy bro then in the way the way he the way he portrayed himself was so raw and real that you could only follow him you know when he performed he performed by himself you know <laughs> and it's funny when you go back and hear the stories like the wild fucking stories because you know you're like oh man like watching drink champs and stuff and hearing like how many niggas he robbed and <laughs> you know and stuff like that and but there's a darker side too like Roxanne Shante um have a nice on have a nice day um you know through Rock the Bells um kind of shared a darker sentiment with him because um they both were kind of in the foster system right so DMX's mother um was very abusive and um ve- like very abusive like would lock him in a closet you know for long periods of time or like take him to um a foster a foster home or a foster care home or children's home and just be like oh yeah we're just visiting and she would leave you know stuff like that it it just was it's really rough and this is before he was 14 years old you know um there's there's a clip i think i've seen from i believe it's you uprox video from uh you know um uh, Talib Kweli's podcast, right? Um, and you know, DMX is talking about you know um, the first time someone who he looked up to gave him a laced blunt, and it it basically created an addiction. Starting from then, you know, it, it just it's sad to see because you know he started crying and he was like, "Man, why would you do that to me?" Because like I looked up to you, like why why would you do such a thing to me? more specifically a child and it it talks about like just or it speaks to just how much shit (laughs) he had been through in those 50 years by the time dmx was 50 he lived multiple lifetimes i think on drink champs he said one time um if everything would end today um i lived a great life and that was february this year and um it's it's even it even hurts my heart a little bit sometimes just to think about him being on, um, you know, uh, versus not that long ago, you know, him w- with Snoop. And I was just super excited because I was like, TMX and Snoop. Oh, man, this versus ain't never going to end. It's going to be so many hits, you know, and um, yeah, like, like, you know, I had memes from it because Snoop was <laughs> Snoop was dancing. He was getting his thing, though. Um, but yeah, like it was just so like refreshing to see DMX looking like he was on the straight and narrow kind of or i won't even say straight and narrow just looks like he was doing better and seemed like he was kind of getting himself back on the right track and it's just sad to hear that it just hey that's addiction it it just threw him off it threw him off and he wasn't able to recover and um um like like i said before um and many others will say this um the the amount of stuff he's been through he had lived multiple lifetimes um so um you know, you almost feel a sense of peace um, with the fact that he's resting now. Um, so, whew, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. Oh my God. Um, 
so right now let's just let's just take a quick break um because <laughs> my heart man my heart yeah Whew. right in the nostalgicals we make the moves that break the rules a fool and his money are soon parted so we take from fools if and when you ever fall down get back up Drop some, stop fronting, pick that shit back up. Stand for something or fall for everything. Wait for the right pitch or miss with every swing. In the absence of the truth, bullshit prevails. That's what they did, fucked around and threw truth in jail. The objective is to keep you blind. So along with the handcuffs on your arms, they got shackles on your mind. Seek and you shall find, except that failure is the only crime. Fall down eight times, get up nine, nigga. My nigga. The dog! I told you. Oh, All right, honestly. We back niggles so um i have an announcement chica announces retirement citing mental toll of music industry at the ripe old age of 24 grammy nominated newcomer chica is retiring from music in an announcement published to twitter saturday the rapper and songwriter announced that the mental toll of the music industry was taking on her it was not something she could easily bounce back from this is this is sad i've told my team I've told my t my therapist. I've told friends and acquaintances. I've, today I told Twitter. Okay, <laughs> the rapper wrote on Saturday before alluding to experiences of harassment on the platform. What followed was a horde of psychotic fans rejoicing in the decline of my mental health. Chica added that the weight of the abuse she experiences online is particularly heavy amid her pre-existing struggles with mental health. When you have depression, the negative self-talk you have towards yourself is deafening, she said. Now imagine a slew of weirdos dogpiling on top of those thoughts you already have to fight off yourself. The news is heartbreaking. Um, it is a heartbreaking twist. After Chica's rise to fame, uh, which seemed to suggest an even brighter future in the industry on the horizon. The XXL freshman class member was poised for superstar for superstardom. It seen after she released her first EP, Industry Games, last March, which won her a Best New Artist nomination at the 2021 Grammys. Soon thereafter, the bisexual musician landed the biggest accolade of all. She was included in President Barack Obama's 2020 summer playlist. That's right, Barack Obama. Had to say this shit like Chris Rock. Barack Obama. <laughs> like, nigga, don't nobody ever get on Barack Obama playlist. You on Barack Obama playlist? You know that shit gonna be the clean version, right? Because that's a, that's how they roll. But <laughs> Barack Obama, like, it was a goal in life. It is still a goal in life to be on the greatest president ever. <laughs> Timeline. And not only his timeline, but his playlist. Mm, that, mm, ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh. 
So the Grammy for Best New Artist ultimately went to Megan Thee Stallion. But in March, she put out a hotly anticipated second EP, Once Upon a Time. Reaction was highly positive, with reviewers praising Chica's ability to mix great storytelling with nostalgic beats. On the final, on the album's final track, Save You, the rapper talks about her history with depression and problems with searching for validation in romantic relationships. Fuck what they may do, she sings. Only you can save you. Um, it seems that, that after a series of Twitter troll attacks, Chica is taking some time to save herself. In her note, she cites that mean-spiritedness with which internet attackers keep coming for her as one reason for stepping out of the spotlight because niggas ain't shit. So I'm going to stop right here, um, but I, I have to I have to say this. Um, Chica was someone who was different Somebody who was unlike anybody I had ever seen This was a queer plus size black woman Who is of darker skin, right? I mean, there's so many Like, there's so many Like, experiences you can talk about from that You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just something nobody has seen, right? And the subject matter and, and, and the confidence which which she spit with, like it just was like, bruh, like the, the the beat she rapped over, like it's just like, bruh, like she was the one where I was like, man, out of all the XXL freshmen, she was gonna be the biggest one because I was like, most most of them niggas on the XXL freshmen cover, excuse me, ain't shit. Okay, most of them niggas ain't gonna make it. Most of them niggas is gonna be fly by night. They got their one two song. <gasps> One two songs, they gonna hop up out of there. You know, you know the them, them, them two hit one is a little different. Them two hit one is you be like, oh yeah, that's right. That nigga had like three songs, two three songs, you know. But uh, about half of them motherfuckers is one hit wonders. Chica be like, mm, I got an album, <laughs> you know. I got an album. They be like, album, nigga. Who makes albums in these in these times? I'm like mm, niggas that actually got something to say. <laughs> so, um, Chica, you know. I also read that that she'll be hinting at possibly coming back, but right now she's like, I'm taking a break. I'm retiring for now because motherfuckers ain't shit and they want to bully her. And if you need to take some time to just think about things, I do not blame you. So <clears throat> quick news. So um, I actually am recording this the day after um, the first snippet and i had learned overnight that black rob has passed away as well um it had been said that like black or th there was actually a video that was posted of black rob um giving dmx well wishes from or dmx's family well wishes from a hospital bed and he was discharged soon after and then out of nowhere we hear that he had passed away he had had like four strokes he had um, had a lot of kidney issues. Um, it's just like, bro, like he, he was in kidney failure, um, and it was just like, man, like, damn, another one is another one. Like everybody from the early 2000s and the 90s are just like, bro, these guys are going. Like, so, like I said before, give these guys their flowers, guys and girls and people who do not identify um their flowers while they can still smell them please please just please give them their flowers please do like if you like somebody 
and you had like a, a nostalgic moment or if you you know you're a fan of somebody you know praise them give them their flowers say hey you're amazing like Kendrick Lamar to me is a person that is always getting his flowers anyway he's gonna always get his flowers because he made to pimp a butterfly nigga. <laughs> he made an album that everyone's like damn and there's some niggas that was fronting right because they were like where's Kendrick Lamar doing the Black Lives Matter movement I'm like nigga Hey, did y'all not listen to To Pimp a Butterfly? <laughs> that, the album that has All Right on it? <laughs> oh, y'all just listen to All Right. Okay, All Right. But yeah, like, it's just, you just never know, man. It just keeps happening, and it's so saddening. Oh, my gosh. So uh, let's let's dip out of the celebrities, and let's talk about sneakers for a little bit, because this is one of those articles where you like, Huh? <laughs> so this is straight from CNN business. Nike wants to resell your lightly worn shoes in some stores. Yes, that's right. Nike is reselling shoes now. Yeah, gently, gently used. You know what they're trying to do is like, hey, we're gonna just like slowly expand this. So this this is a cool little thing. So Nike is now reselling return sneakers at a discount in select stores in an effort to reduce waste. I hope it's more than that. Nike <laughs> Nike on Monday announced an innovative project where or i'm sorry an initiative sorry i was like what the fuck am i doing an initiative where it accepts return shoes that are gently worn or have manufacturing flaws and clean and, and cleans them um and sanitizes them the refurbished shoes are then resold in select stores at a reduced price um the company said it's currently selling return shoes in eight nike stores in the u.s and plans to expand to 15 loca locations by the end of april and several more by the end of the year so sportswear <clears throat> um so i'm sorry <laughs> um so some of this got cut off never mind um but yeah like i'm seeing this i'm like mm, yeah this look like cap <laughs> like this person is turning in some jordan one high obsidians which are not cheap okay on the resale market Th this is cap nobody's returning obsidians get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here nobody's returning obsidians i want obsidians i'm from north carolina and i want obsidians nigga because that is a carolina shoe um man wow and if you know any like if you know anything about sneaker culture and sneakers as you've heard before like i am back in here tenfold all right i got a cook group and everything but <laughs> and i'm not advertising that i'm not advertising who it is hmm. yeah because niggas like to be pokey in this shit but yeah like um like you know at this point i'm i'm so deep in i'm getting free shoes and shit i'm like man this is crazy but <laughs> i'm getting free shit i'm like Oh, but uh yeah i think this initiative is cool um i feel like it's a smart project i'm just trying to see how it pans out because is this is it going to be something that keeps expanding and keeps going to almost every single nike outlet or <clears throat> nike store across the globe or is this something that nike is like yeah we're just going to keep it in these select places and these are like in store this is not an online thing this is something that you have to go to Nike, <clears throat> Nike stores, select ones, in fact, at this point, and go like, hey, 
so um i just wore these for like maybe twice i i want them back and you get a full refund and basically they do one of two things they grind them up and turn them into those space hippie shoes that are basically like you know re re uh, recycled and and uh sustainability based shoes you know or they resell them and um the ones that's beat the fuck up they're probably gonna grind them up right and and turn them um into those sustainability shoes the other ones they're probably gonna be like oh yeah you know what let's resell them because we know they worth something so <laughs> yeah they, they're like literally like they're they're trying to hit resale in the gut a little bit i don't think it's gonna do that big of like i don't think it's gonna be that big of a dent but they're clouding i feel like they're also kind of you know having this initiative on sustainability and reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 2025 i'm like all right well that's cool or whatever but the resale market is absolutely at its worst to me like nigga a pair of black and white dunks they call them panda dunks now are selling for three hundred dollars these shoes were a hundred dollars when they came out okay some of some of these dunks are selling for five hundred dollars like the curry dunks which i love the medium curry dunk lows those are selling for wait for it five hundred dollars <laughs> like off-white shoes retail are like maybe 200 right those be selling for about 1100 to about 1500 dollars. okay depending on the colorway and the hype it is ridiculous so i'm glad that the whole hype train with you know um reselling sneakers is at least being tackled with nike themselves reselling shoes but yeah um let's let's talk about um another topic that is not even it's a timeless topic i like to call something that this country struggles with so um this is an article that was posted two years ago um and i i really felt like it's a it's a topic that should be talked about anywhere right so the real reason the united states has no high speed rail network because every single country every even canada it's crazy every single other country has an amazing an immaculate a well-developed high-speed rail network us eh. <laughs> they got like one train that goes up like in 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 uh in the northeast and that goes maybe 100 miles an hour and yeah <laughs> And that's like on a certain stretch of the road like or a certain stretch of the tracks like no so like it or not the u.s has a big transportation problem yeah cars are fun but they're also expensive and inefficient and every rattle under the hood is like a gunshot to your wallets planes sure if you like paying for carrying a snack that doesn't cost twelve dollars and 95 cents <laughs> public transport in the u.s is the pits it is absolutely shitty um and if you're wanting to travel a medium range distance right say between like boston and new york for an affordable price the options aren't pretty because those places have some of the worst traffic in the world you know what it would be like to fix that particular issue it's called high-speed rail <laughs> although and, and 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 though americans have been taught to think that bullet trains are like some crazy sci-fi futurism they're just a mundane everyday reality in some parts of the world and it's been that way for decades and in some cases while these speeds zoom from country to country 
you know, the, the U.S. only falls further and further behind. Here's why the U.S. is struggling with high-speed rail. Wait, so what is exactly what exactly is high-speed rail? So, in the U.S., everybody likes the idea of trains, but U.S. trains are slow, clumsy, and stupidly expensive. Nobody wants to creep down the coast of an Am in an Amtrak, and can you blame them? Okay, so here's the thing: I like Amtrak, but here's the thing: we have been only thinking about, only thinking about. Amtrak as our as our only railway our, our only solution for rail and the fact that Amtrak is abso absolutely the worst like by far when it comes to rail transit in the world it makes you change your perspective because I like taking the train right you know you, you get to see the world not the world you get to see at least a different way like I've, I've seen um videos of people like taking long distance trips in in like these cars and or or, or in these like uh, bedroom cars and stuff and they're going just they're just riding across the entire u.s and it's cool but think about how quickly they're getting there it's not very quick and it's very like it i've seen i remember like so i have an amtrak account <laughs> and so with that, like, I'm like, oh man. So what, what would it be like if I took a trip to dot, dot, dot? So the way the train system is set up, <laughs> sometimes you have to do layovers in like certain cities and those layovers could be five to 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know you're like, huh, what? Because sometimes trains don't run on a certain schedule all the time. Like, yeah, it's, it's different. Meanwhile, countries like Japan, France, Spain, Saudi Arabia, and China run trains that whiz along so fast and so smoothly that according to Vox, the average person prefers them to airplanes. That's because airports have to be situated in a, ta a taxi ride away from big cities and require all that security business. Train stations plant, planted it right like in a city center you know um so if you want to travel a mid-range distance say 300 miles a bullet train will get you there faster cheaper and more comfortably no they're never going to lay tracks across the atlantic where planes have a significant advantage but for shorter distances high speed rail closes the gap like i used to take a train from washington dc or one stop away from um actual washington dc in alexandria all the way to gs or gro i'm sorry that's the train station gso is the you know, the, you know gso is the airport gro is the train station so i would drive yeah i would ride from alx which is alexandria's train station all the way to greensboro's gro train station that would take roughly four and a half to five hours um it actually was a better ride. It was actually a quicker ride than driving because the traffic in the DMV is so bad up in Northern Virginia. But imagine getting there even quicker. DC would seem so close and people would be either, you know, traveling there more. Um, it would be more people just feeling better about traveling longer distances. Um, and I will tell you this. Um, yeah, I know a few people who are not necessarily fond of flying, and they are always comfortable with riding the train because of heights and a lot of fears that come with that. So yeah, there's so many things that you could change with this. Like 
um, you know, um, reports are even said that in the International Energy Agency, reports even um, see that rail sectors carry 8% of the world's passengers, 7% of global freight transportation or transport, and it only represents 2% of Earth's transport energy demand. Even better, these quarters of passenger rail activity is on electric trains, so they're not spending money on fuel. This makes the rail industry the only form of transportation that is widely electrified today. So yeah, getting a train, get, getting, a, getting a country on rails is way cooler and better for the world than manufacturing billions of electric cars. Because honestly, it, it burns a lot of coal at first, but then it kind of like levels out over time with electric cars. You know, that, it's, it's interesting to think about because you're like, man, you know, riding a hundred miles an hour right you know <laughs> because okay so a hundred miles an hour um on a train so let's see it would probably take me closer to two and a half hours if it was like 150 200 miles an hour on a train going to dc yeah it's crazy it's like bro it only take me like an hour two hours to get to dc from here it's, it's crazy like it would be great so um yeah, it's, it's a it's an awesome thought, um, and it's it's something that um, the U.S. has trouble getting together. You know, um, it, it's something that I really think the U.S. should just really invest in. But it just seems like every time, even when it's like mass transit of any kind, they just kind of like eh, everybody has cars. What if you created these? More people would even be with even people with cars would even do this. Okay. This would make so many things easier. People getting to work. People who don't have these resources getting to work much easier, okay? People would be able to save money because the cost wouldn't be too high associated with mass transit. I don't know, man. America just be fucking up. <laughs> but this is what the rest of the world is on. Because a lot of people are like not privy to this. They, they just think, that, oh yeah, like Amtrak's amazing. You know what's even better? Bullet train in Japan. <laughs> you know? And bullet train in Japan, he was like, really? Bullet train? Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know they went that fast. Yes. So they can go from like one place to the other in no time. But, you know, hey. So on that note, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our last segment. This is going to be a long episode, y'all. <laughs> Um, so I have an interesting topic here, um, and it's going to be a two article thing. Um, 
and then we're gonna have one little <laughs> last crazy piece and then we're gonna get the fuck out of here because this is, this has been a long one so um the topic of this article says i'm leaving and i'm not just coming back i'm, I'm just not coming back fed up with racism black americans start to head overseas this is a story about black expats if you're not necessarily sure what a black expat is it is a person who is of the african diaspora more specifically the u.s of a and they are moving to different countries across the globe um it is something that kind of had picked up a little bit of steam it's almost like a, a garviest type of type of thing you know you know we going either back to africa or we going back to another country that we think you know has better better benefits you know um and there are three people that are involved in this article so there is okiuni Campbell, anthony baguette and tiffany drayton um tiffany drayton is actually you know tiffany drayton um kept getting priced out of neighborhoods in new jersey and she she felt that it was pretty much destined for her to be displaced forever in the us of a um and you know okiuni kambon was arrested in chicago and accused by police of concealing a loaded gun under his seat under the seat of his car he was a gun owner but they fucking arrested him anyway just for having a gun and it being legally owned but anyway then you had anthony baguette who is um pretty much saying like yeah um he was driving to a convenience store in cincinnati when a police officer pulled him over and there had been a robbery he fit the description given by the store's clerk quote unquote a black man so of course the the, the schism is kind of a big part of this but you can see there are so many reasons you know not being able to afford the area because they keep getting priced out you know certain neighborhoods that are for black folks keep getting gentrified you know things of that nature and then of course being being get like being harassed by the police just because you've quote unquote fit a description is absolutely happened way too many times and has sometimes ended way worse than others so um in ghana um Cambon is involved with a program that encourages descendants of the african diaspora to return to a nation where centuries earlier their ancestors were forced onto slave ships he said is one of the several thousand Cambon rejects descriptors such as black american or african-american that identify him with the u.s well damn <laughs> he was like shit i am black <laughs> he said fuck that shit i am black so in trinidad and tobago where drayton works in her home office uh, which has a view of the ocean hummingbirds frolicking above the pool Ooh, sounds amazing there are at least four drayton her mother her sister her sister's boyfriend and there are probably more there are about 120,000 people who are black of any nationality of origin in germany there's about a million people of african descent total so um there's there's about so i, I take that back i'm sorry let, let, let me change that let me make that make that a little bit clearer about 120,000 americans live in germany i'm sorry uh about a million of those are african of african descent so just 
take into account they don't use um, race in their census categories. So it's not necessarily sure of how many of them are from the US. So yeah. So there's a lot of institutional racism in Germany, said Bagat, who is 68, who has lived in Berlin for more than 30 years and said he still feels conflicted about his move. He described the fall of the Berlin Wall because, hey, that was 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> In 1989, at a time where Nazi, neo-Nazis, skinheads would throw black people off the S-Bahn, the city subway system. That's fucking terrible, bro. But I still felt and feel better off here. Safer, he said. That's crazy. That's crazy. A place that still had, like, institutional racism. He's like, man, this, this place still better. <laughs> it's like, damn, this place still better? Shit. Oh, damn. I don't have to think of myself as a black woman. In interviews with more than a dozen expatriate, expatriate, I always say that, expatriate um, black Americans spread out across the globe from Caribbean to West Africa. Um, from So from the Caribbean to West Africa, it became clear for some that the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis provided fresh evidence that living outside of the USA can be an exercise in self-preservation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... So, a study in 2019 by the National Academy of Sciences found black men were 2.5 times more likely than white men to be killed by the police in the U.S. Crazy. An analysis this year by nature, by human nature, <laughs> nature human behavior, um, of 100 million traffic, 100 million, take that, go back, 100 million traffic stops conducted across the country determined that black people were far more likely to be pulled over by the police than whites but that difference narrowed significantly at night where it is harder to see dark skin black americans face a far higher risk of being arrested for petty crimes they account for a third of the prison population but just 13 percent of the overall population according to the pew research a nonpartisan fact tank nonpartisan they were like I'm just gonna gather the facts. Um, so, <laughs> just gathering facts. So, Drayton, 28, is writing a book about fleeing from racism in America. She said one of the starkest illustrations of how her life has changed since moving to Trinidad and Tobago in 2013 is how she feels comfortable driving her kids around the block to get them to sleep each night without being worried about what happens if she's pulled over by police. But there's a second. There is a second article that will definitely combat this. So <clears throat> it is from Zora. And I love the name of this website. <laughs> so Zora, according to an art article from Zora.medium.com, leaving the U.S. will never be the antidote to racism. Anti-blackness is global. Hey, there you go. As I read a Washington Post article by a black woman who traded New York for Paris, a single line triggered my wanderlust. Paris, a city that has historically revered black arts and culture and respected black humanity. Ever since Trump's election in 2016, publications have been running stories like this about Blacksit, the exodus of black Americans in search of a better, less racist life overseas. 
Many include inspiring pictures of black women living their best life and apparently best hair, their melanin popping against lush vistas or architectural wonders in their background. I began wistfully imagining myself living in the city of lights, unencumbered by the constant stress of American racism, I'd finally be able to live life to the fullest. I'd join the ranks of black icons like Josephine Baker, James Baldwin, hobnobbing with Parisian intelligentsia and the woke jet set. I'd eat a chocolate croissant every single day. <laughs> I, lo I, love, I love her thoughts. Um, but the thing is, I've lived outside the U.S., for about 10 years in Cameroon, Costa Rica, and now Turkey. I have loved living overseas, but when it comes to race, it hasn't always been smooth sailing. If I had left America to escape the kind of racism I face at home, I didn't move, or I, I, or, or I didn't. I moved for love. I had been disappointed. Some, okay, so I'm, I, I don't know if that's gonna be a snippet from later, but yeah. So anti-blackness isn't just an American problem. And we've seen this. Um, there are the stereotypical ideas of black Americans gleaned from global pop culture, which often reflects the white gaze. Some forms of racism like blackface and monkey chanting are bizarrely universal. That's crazy how it's all over the globe. It's never surprising to me, but it's like, damn, just think about it. English isn't the only language to have its own racial epithets for black people. In Turkish, it's zenti. Whoa, a reference to a Zanj region of Africa where the Ottomans saw slaves. Jesus, they, they, woo, woo, this is bad. In more ethically homogenous countries, I like the word homogenous because instead of saying white, we just say homogenous. <laughs> and certain people may get it or not. Locals may not have had any, like, any experience with black people which can lead to uncomfortable situations that's the thing i worry about every time um the way the locals acted i was probably the only black person they'd ever seen says comedian keila rose calloway about her time living in vietnam she has since relocated to ho chi minh city where there are more black expats it's never fun to have people stare at you like you're some kind of circus freak between my body size and my skin color, my hair, it was all just like a sea of wonders from the tiny town. We bond. When she tells me that a group of Vietnamese teenagers once filmed her without permission, here in Istanbul, Istanbul, ugh, Istanbul, Turkey, I've been an unwilling subject myself on more than one occasion. Skin color isn't the only way we are marginalized when we travel. Different countries have different legal and social conventions related to women's roles, bodies, and behaviors. Local beauty standards may not include black beauty. Turkey may have basic universal health care, but mental health treatment is costly and not covered by public or private insurance. The city of Istanbul is largely handicapped, inaccessible. Wow, so if you're handicapped, it's really, really hard to kind of get around. Before your jump on year of return <laughs> you're jumping on year of return bandwagon you should know that ghana like most countries in africa including cameroon where i used to live and many nations in the middle east and asia criminalizes lgbtq people 
aspiring black expats should also be aware that even among the woke racial discourse in your adopted country may not be the same as it is in the U.S. Nyasha Richards, or in, I'm sorry, Inaya Richards, um, a fashion stylist and blogger who resides in Bergamo, Italy, um, notes that affirmative actions and other protections for minority groups don't exist in Italian corporate culture. See, it's other issues in other places. It's never going to be perfect. It's going to always have some issues with race because racism is universal um yeah uh and how many people of color do you see in high positions in these companies we're calling out american ceos or american corporations for having only five black people or an exec or on an exec board of 30 or 40 in these countries it's zero and the conversations about calling that out is nowhere near there yet for dutch people this is this is very dominant discourse around we're colorblind and we don't see race our black people are happy says jennifer tosh who lives in amsterdam and leads black heritage tours that center largely around um the erased history of black and brown people in dutch culture well let's be very very um blunt here south africa was colonized by the dutch they had apartheid so there's that that's enough to make you go like no no <laughs> you know it's completely a false delusion it's not true um local culture isn't on the only challenge before i left the states i naively assumed that living cross-culturally would give white people greater empathy and more in in a more involved outlook on race the reality is that people bring their biases and privileges with them and it is exacerbated by the racism and colonialism that that's built into traditional expat careers like diplomacy ngos and international teaching immersion in one culture doesn't make you any more knowledgeable or empathetic towards black folks just being real i've often served as an unpaid racial educator for white expats and occasionally their kids but despite this expertise, they still questioned my lived experiences with racism in Turkey. I helped them manage their emotions after Trump's 2016 victory. Everyone has something to say about my hair. My favorite was when a neighbor told me my box braids looked just like Bo Derek. No, they didn't. They did not say Bo Derek. They did not say that. They did not say that. Did they? Oh my God. So. <clears throat> And these aren't even the Trump supporters I know. Yes, right-wing conservatives travel too. <laughs> this is terrible, and, and this is the this is both sides of the of, of of the fence when we're dealing with you know people feeling like oh I'm trying to flee racism you know become a black expat and and move to a country that that's very friendly quote unquote to people of color. Well, look at this. There are, there are people of color that are telling you, I've experienced this, I've been to many countries, I've been to multiple places across the globe, and I can tell you for sure that the racism is still there, but sometimes it's in different pockets, and sometimes it rears its ugly head the same old way that we know it. It's just a different language behind it and a different nationality. So, <clears> hey, <throat> I'm just saying. <laughs> I am just saying. Y'all keep thinking that this shit 
is is gonna be like the greener pastures that you always wanted it's not exactly always like that you know um like if you're a person in the lgbtq community a lot of those african countries are still very 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 against it so um that's something you have to think about like if you're a person who is an ally or a person who is actually in the community um that's not gonna be too favorable for you so you know hey it's it's something that it's tough it's tough to kind of gauge it's it's just like hey they're like hey you know uh, just know that this is what you're dealing with if you do move over there and yes we be we be we be going through that bullshit here but that bullshit also happens over there too so straight from page six we're closing out the show <laughs> straight from page six usher slam for using fake money at a las vegas strip club allegedly <laughs> allegedly so you've heard of bitcoin now get ready for usher bucks <laughs> R&B singer Usher is getting flack on Twitter for allegedly using fake money with his own name and face on it at a strip club. However, the club tells Page Six it's all a big misunderstanding, dubbed Ushbucks by one wag. <laughs> by one wag on the social media site, the cash in denominations of hundreds, twenties, and ones was previously seen on Usher's official social media channels stuffed in a see-through suitcase on April 3rd. <laughs> I see the picture now. Nigga, when I tell you it is Ushbucks, it's Ushbucks. And they got the little ha 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 He said, you are. Hashtag Ushbucks. Nigga, when I tell you this shit, nigga, this is going to be the podcast. <laughs> nigga, this is going to be the podcast thumbnail. This, 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 this is one for podcast thumbnail. Nope, nope, nope. This is one for the. <laughs> this is going to be the thumbnail, nigga. Like, what? This nigga is. This nigga wildin', bro. This nigga. The story began with a woman going by B Love. It's like two B, two two E's and a and a zero and a and an O for love. It's it's weird. So, <laughs> on Instagram, posted pics Monday of the money to her private account. Um, a friend of hers then shared it, tagging both the strip club Sapphire Las Vegas and gossip site The Shade Room, who later posted it to their own Instagram. The Shade Room is gonna have every single one of y'all niggas. <laughs> every single one of y'all niggas. With tabs, just tabs, tabity tabs. You be like, man, Shay Room got all the receipts. <laughs> they come back with a vengeance. So they later posted that to their own Instagram, a Shay Room. From there, the star's supposed attempt at ushering its own form of currency quickly spread across social media, trending on Twitter by Monday afternoon. This is crazy. However, Reach for comment by page six via email. Sapphire's director of marketing, George M. Wilson, told us Usher was a true gentleman and a great guest at the club. <laughs> he and his converted thousands of real dollars to tip the girls dancing off stage or on the stage and left a generous tip for the staff. <laughs> I can't, bro. Apparently, someone, someone in his team 
left some usher dollars, usher, ush bucks on the floor to promote his Vegas residency. Wilson continued, that is where it seems the confusion came in. Um, but real actual cash was used for the tips. So still, I'm looking at them damn ush bucks. It's about that time, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that. Usher throwing fake money at the strip club, hard work with. <laughs> to these hard-working women oh my god oh my god this is crazy so <laughs> this is crazy i see that nigga face he is he is face this nigga is doing <laughs> the nothing was the same pose <laughs> on a dollar bill he got the he got the hunted with the little blue line in the middle <laughs> and instead of it having like a serial number it just says usher <laughs> This nigga is, ooh, this nigga different, bro. <laughs> this nigga different. I can't. Ah, uh, yeah, but he, he he announced his Vegas residency at Caesar's Palace, and um, <laughs> at least at least it's all in good fun, right? It's all in good fun because I was I, I thought the nigga was literally like before I actually read the article, I was like, man, this nigga is throwing out money to strippers that ain't real. He was like, uh, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> they looking like that's not a white man. <laughs> Damn, that's Usher. It say Usher on the side too. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's about that time. And um, please support black businesses. Um, please support any small business. And please do not do. Not, I repeat, do not lowball them. You pay full price. Okay. They got a budget, and they have a certain amount that they're set at making their profits. Please support a black business like Sia Collective. You can go to his Instagram or their Instagram. You can go to Devlin Carter's Instagram and follow him as well. That's a black business that is thriving and doing really well. He has dope ass shoes, dope ass clothes, dope ass products. Okay. Support Sci Collective. And as always, thank you. Sick.